Hello, it's Joseph back again for another live stream. This is an exciting one for me because I get this great opportunity in my life to, to be involved in all kinds of events. And sometimes I'm, I find myself in an event and I'm not really comfortable at all because there'll be a lot of people at this event who are selling snake oil and trying to get people to buy something that'll get them rich quick, you know, futures on oil and gas or something crazy wild and silly. Once in a while, I'll also be at an event where there are business trainers creating business communities and they have something hellaciously amazing to offer folks. And such was the case when I was introduced to a lady by the name of Ellen Rohr. And it was at a, an event for somebody who I've known for a long, long time. Howard Partridge had me at one of his events and, and there was Ellen Rohr and she roared through there with wisdom and genius and candor and storytelling and and the real deal of authenticity and what it takes to be successful in business. So with that, I'd like to introduce you to that very person who impressed the, the heck out of me, Ellen Rohr. Good to see you. Oh, we have you mute, muted, Ellen. I'm not sure why. Um, oh. Let me unmute you. oh, there you go. You were muted there for a second. Well, it was muted because I was like uh, ugly crying over here. Oh. That, was really, that, was, that was really sweet. And uh, I feel the same about you. And I had the opportunity to attend uh, one of your classes on branding. And it was, you know, sometimes you think, oh, if I get one idea, it was so action packed. It was so practical. I was really blown away with you and since then we've got to know each other and i love you and your team and thanks for having me well thank you for for joining us and let's let's share some of the love of your 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 ideas of business with the people that we have here you have an active community so at the end of this all i'm going to encourage people to head over to ellen's uh website and check it check it out there's a lot of free resources over there so it's not as though you're obligated anything when you go and visit her site but when you do i think you'll see and Based on this conversation today, I hope you'll see that she has a lot of value to contribute to you uh, as you look at your business. And I think, you know, just Ellen, really kind of candidly, people are looking at their businesses really differently thanks to the pandemic. Um, you know, I think some people are holding on for dear life. Some people are reprioritizing what really matters to them. And what I love about your story, and if you wouldn't mind sharing it, is it, you know, you kind of, you had some insights about business when you were super young. Uh, you went on and get a business degree. You marry a plumber. That's kind of an important part of the story. And then from there, there are a couple of twists and turns that bring you to where you are today. Would you be kind enough just to kind of elaborate on that setup? I will share the salient points uh, of my history. You know, as, as you mentioned, you know, I grew up and I my dad wasn't handy. I didn't, you know, I thought when you flushed a toilet, a miracle happened. Where did it go? And then I, I, um, I married a plumber. Now, prior to that, I did go to uh, a, a very uh, a highly esteemed uh, private college, got a degree in business administration, graduated at the top of my class. I'm a big fan of education and higher education, get as much as you can afford. However, what happened next made me realize that it wasn't just school and book knowledge that was going to help me and my family be successful. What happened is I married my husband, the plumber. His name is Hot Rod. So that's why I married him. What's your name, baby? Hot Rod? Okay. <laughs> Sounded like a good good match for me. And when I when I got married, I am a I am someone who has had a lot of jobs. I started working when I was 14 years old. I probably had 50 jobs. I really have maintained the sensibility of a troublemaking fence testing employee. That is who I am at heart. 
Um, Let, let's when, stop right there. Time out. Okay. All right. Bubble <laughs> making fence testing. What what does that moniker mean? Okay. So if I I'm a smart kid, and what will happen is, and I use this every day on my best days to be a good leader. I'm a smart kid, and what would happen is if I got hired by you and you said, um, uh, "Be here tomorrow morning at 8 a.m." I would say, "Okay." And then the next day, I'd show up at 8:05 to see if you had any integrity at all and whose game we're really playing because we might be playing my game instead of your game because everybody's playing a game. So I got through life. So by hold on, let, me, let me test you tested that fence. And if I, yeah. if I had the conversation with you, Ellen, trying to understand why you're here at eight Oh five, then that, that fence was clear to you. Right. I mean, there is right. a fence there. If yes. it didn't, that was not really a fence. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. And so, yeah. So you get this, like it's played into my career as a, as a business leader is that um, I will always default to the sensibility of someone who's going to test the leader. Even as the leader, I will put myself into my team member's shoes easily because of all the experiences I had as a kid. So I got fired a lot. I jumped around a lot. I had a lot of jobs. And on a few occasions, I had someone who really saw me who would say, uh-uh, I said eight o'clock and that's entry into the game. And if you don't want to play the game, you can go now. But if you do, here's what's in it for you. In those situations, I paid attention and I rolled up my sleeves and I got behind the leader. I just wanted to be seen. I wanted to be part of something that mattered. And even then, I didn't have the words for it, but that's what I was doing. So that's so, just fascinating on its own, <laughs> on its own face. Right? So, at some level, you really want somebody who says you need to play by a, a, a set of rules to engage yeah. this business. I'll be respectful of you. I expect you to play by them. And there are great outcomes if we all play by these kinds of rules. Yeah, every game has rules and you can't apologize for them. Basketball has rules. There's that stupid three-point line. Who made that up? Somebody. And now everybody plays by it, right? So we make these things up. So the rules are okay and they should keep you safe and they should keep you, you know, the housekeeping organized. And then there has to be some rights. What am I free and clear to do? What are the rewards for playing this game? And is there an overall reason? So there's rules, rights, uh, rewards and reason. And that makes a good game. All right. Rules, rights, rewards, and reason. Okay. And I got me, a lot of this. Philosophy. So one of the, okay. you know, I used to, um, I was involved in some of the great game of business. Uh, yes. I was just going to say, that's where I learned uh, what a game is from there. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, people objected back in the day when it was really groundbreaking that we're talking about business as a game. This is not a game people. This is business. But, you know, it's just like I think a guy wrote about, you know, love and business and people thought, you know, love and profits. And people thought that didn't make any sense either. But I think fundamentally there is a truth to this. If you don't play by the rules, you're going to pay a price sooner or later, either as an employee in a team or as a company that fails to acknowledge rules. OK, so we got rules. You tested them. You were all mm -hmm. about testing them and you had some respect for these organizations that that maintain these these reason and other elements of the game. Yes. And so as I first get married and uh, then I did something absolutely life changing and it changed everything for me anyway, I had a baby. Now uh, for those of you who are parents, that can be a, a pivotal shift in your life. And for me, it was the first time I looked beyond just me 
you know, like I have to keep this human being alive. And and that's when I started to take my career seriously. And I became a restaurant manager and I worked for a, an excellent restaurant chain. And I learned a lot about business. And I was developing a nice career on my own. And my husband, the plumber, had a best friend and partner. And this partner, his name was Yox. Their company is called Hot Rod and Yox, Plumbing, Heating and Solar in Park City, Utah. And his partner um, literally worked himself into a stress-induced health crisis. And you know this can happen. You've worked with people who are doing this, Joseph. They, they're sacrificing their relationships, their health for their business. And at age 33, my husband's partner worked a 100-hour work week, didn't feel well, went to the hospital, and died on Sunday. So this, I, these, I'm sharing these salient points. One, I know what it's like to be a fence tester. Two, it ain't worth it to lose everything in the pursuit of your business. And I've seen this happen so often. So that helped me in a very big perspective gathering way. Somehow you can't do that if you're gonna grow your business. But what happened at this time is I did something really foolish because then, because my husband was turning wrenches, really didn't wanna do this business business without his partner anymore, I quit my real job and I went to work with my husband, the plumber. I said, this is gonna be easy. I'll count the money, I'm a smart chick, you turn wrenches and we're gonna get rich and none of that happened. It turned well, he turned wrenches, he, he did the wrench turning. I'm not so sure how rich you all were getting. Well, what happened is now we don't have my salary. We don't have, you know, those benefits. I'm working with my husband. We have two different ideas of where the business should be. And we fall into the trap that so many family businesses fall into. Not aligned as far as the vision and the mission of the company. Even, and I didn't even know those words at this point. But, you know, that's what I've since learned to call them. You know, the vision and the mission of the company. And then um, he just wanted different things. Also, I fell prey to one of the things that I've spent the rest of my, my life trying to correct, which is I fell into the trap of you had to charge what everybody else in your marketplace was charging. So that set us into a spiral of, of debt and despair. And when I would well, say to my- I mean, In theory, the debt shouldn't be there, right? Because you might be pricing more than- what you should be pricing because that's a competitive rate. You should be, you know, hope, hoping you have a market. If you're a plastic surgeon, I think the going rate is probably fairly um, uh, tolerable. What is challenging in a dirty job, just, you know, again, this is my area of expertise. So dear listener, you might have to do a little uh, translation, but in some industries, you're battling against the esteem of that industry or the reputation of that industry. And my mentor, a fellow named Frank Blau, I like to mention him every time. You'll hear some of the people like Jack Stack and Frank Blau have had an impact on me. Frank Blau is the one who taught me that you have to ignore the going rate. You have to write this down if you're listening. You have to charge more than it costs to be in business. Which is, you know, if not, you're in a hobby, right? I mean, in the end of the day or, or a loss. Or death. Yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure why you would want to do that. I mean, if you don't make money, that's one thing. But to lose money seems like you got to you got to pivot. But so well, it was if the you don't know. Rate was insufficient for you to keep the business afloat. So you had to do something else besides just match the rate. 
Right. And what my mentor Frank taught me is if you don't know, if you are uh, have the blinders on, if you're just running off your checkbook and your credit cards and your line of credit at the supply house, you could be in debt up to your eyeballs and still be in business. And that's the situation I found myself in. And I would say to my husband, the plumber, Hot Rod, we're not making enough money. And he would hear I'm not working hard enough. I'm not good enough. And so you can see, and you would never have those dynamics if you weren't married or it wasn't your dad. You know, the family aspect of it makes it even more brutal because you'll say things to someone you love that you might not even say to an employee or to a partner. But I think, you know, a CFO might say that to a CEO or to the chief operating officer and and the impact is the same. I mean, I, I work much more in a different corporate environment. So I can tell you that it may sound like it's all cerebral and, oh, okay, well, let's look at the ledger. I mean, people take this stuff personally. I mean, the ledger is a proof point of whether or not you're worth something, right? Literally, as a human. Yeah. A lot of people whose identity connects to their work. So anyway, back to your point. In yours, the added dynamic of the family makes it worse. You're just basically stating the facts on the ledger. He's trying to figure out how to throw more work up and none of that's going to solve your problem over time. No, I, I love what you said though, about that also being the case, even in the C-suite, that you're still going to have that emotional aspect to it. It was getting clear on the facts that allowed us to break through that. And clarity. that's what my Here it is. Here's clarity. a roar uh, breakthrough. I should have like a little banner that says clarity. I clarity. Let's do well, clarity. Yeah. And, and so let's talk about like, so what I want to morph into here is, as uh, we made the changes at our company and now how I've used that in, in the subsequent businesses I've been part of now I'm zoom drain. I'm COO of zoom drain. And I'm hopefully using the best of what I've learned from you and all my mentors and, and my experience across the year. So for the sake of our conversation today, maybe we could um, move into uh, the things that I I've learned that on my best day I exercise and what I've noticed with the most successful business people I work with that um, who are the most successful by their own yardstick they're happy they have reached their goals they feel confident in the next point on the horizon to which they're marching I thought we could maybe discuss some of those Go because long story short day, on uh, your best day on the people on my best day. who dialed it up pretty well you are seeing what well and also let me for the epilogue Hara and I are still married but we don't work together. Okay. Because, and that leads us to our point of clarity. So as we decided, as I got my arms around the money, I raised my prices a lot, even in an environment where people were charging one fifth, one tenth of what I was charging. We started to make money and I got really excited. So first off, if you're bleeding money, fixing the money helps because money buys options. It's like put the bandaid on the wound, right? And then deal with how did this happen? So as we started to get out of debt, start to stockpile some money, I turned to my husband and I said, what do you want? Now, at the time I was thinking, I want trucks, more of them. I want to grow big. I want, you know, people and opportunities and careers. And I'm like, boo, 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 boo. And he says to me, and I, as I ask him this question, I want to work all by myself. <laughs> well, that's not that's kind of not with you. I got that too. Uh, right, not with you was absolutely the subtitle of that conversation. So, you know, and that's easy to take personally, but in essence, what we had were two people at the top of an organization who had vastly different intentions. And that that is going to be a recipe for disaster. So the people I know who I've worked with who are happiest and most successful are those who are 
asking and answering the big journalistic questions. What do I want? Why do I want it? How much is enough? You know, who would I want to work with? By when do I want these things to happen? And those are essentially business planning questions. You know, the what and the why are biggies. What do I want and why do I want it? And what we realized and what I've, you know, experienced with other organizations is when the people at the top are aligned on the what and the why, or their whys are uh, congruent, they can get what they want and why by traveling the same path together, then you're going to have a lot more success. It's going to be less stressful. There'll be a lot more action necessary to get you where you want to go. So clarity of intention is important. I mean, that, that process of getting to what you want isn't a simple answer. It's a journey, right? And it's a mm -hmm. layering of more questions and more questions. So you say you want that Explain that to me a little bit more. What do you mean by that? It may seem self-evident on the front, but without a lot of thoughtful query, you still don't get to anything you can action off of. I think you're gonna to relate to this. In our Western culture, action is rewarded. So the, the idea of thinking seems like a waste of time and it takes time right? I can feel this landing with you. So this idea of like, we're going to do a corporate retreat, we're going to put the phones away, we're going to sit and talk to each other, and ask and answer some of these questions, even knowing that some of them may go unanswered, or we may change our mind. But an occasional pause to ask these questions is what we currently call a corporate retreat. And you can do it by yourself. If you're a small company, you might be you and a family member, a trusted advisor, maybe your key employees, that I think is essential. Now, if you're bleeding money, this is why it's so important. Like get priced right, stop the bleeding, give yourself a chance to ask these questions like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If some needs aren't being oh, met, look, you look, might- Time out, time out. You know, this whole get priced right, this is gonna be the hard one. I, I, I try not to <laughs> we got a lot to unpack. Get priced right, I don't, I don't see how this works. Like conceptually, most people think they're constrained by the law of the market, which is defined by the competitive going rate. So yeah. you'd be able to challenge that assumption and say that I'm going to charge, you know, X up off of the going rate because that's what it costs for me to deliver the service. Who's going to ever want to come and, you know, get their, their drain zoomed by you, right? Like if you're not the, the commoditized lowest, you should go not only, you know, the going rate, but then take a margin off of that and be more efficient. Now you are the author of the Starbucks experience. Once upon a time, <laughs> right, one I'm of my- My cam's right? off here. I don't want to be seen as you, you eviscerate me. <laughs> okay. So once upon a time, my um, uh, one of my jobs was I served coffee in a coffee shop. And for 39 cents, you could sit there and drink coffee all day. And some did. And coffee was considered a commodity. And a commodity is when the basic uh, product is so similar that only price is really going to be your decision making uh, variable. Well, that's how coffee was until Starbucks elevated it. And so the same can be made of literally any industry. In fact, even a legit commodity like corn. If your corn is organic, if your corn is available, these are differentiating factors that can allow you to charge more. So in my industry, this is what we do. At Zoom Drain, we show up clean, sober, on time, dressed right, and use a checklist. And wow. for that, I can charge five times more than the competition who may or may not but I'm gonna lay claim to clean, sober, on time, dressed right, and use a checklist. 
which means we're using procedures. This is very similar to Howard Partridge, who's our shared friend who, you know, basically promising in his carpet cleaning business that Bubba on, you know, with the machine he just got from the supermarket and rented for the day, who will not leave dating your daughter. Right. I mean, that's kind of the message of him. We are going to have a professional operation in industries that maybe haven't relegated themselves to a level of professionalism. And if you want a professional coming to your home uh, and your safety and all those other things to be assured, then you're going to pay differently than the going rate. Yeah. And, and we're not for everybody. You know, um, I, I asked a friend who went to the Wharton School of Business, which is arguably one of the best business schools in the world. Um, what do they teach you at Wharton? After four years, what do you remember? And he said, premium prices, premium service. That's how you make money. And that's the, that's where we're going. And that's where we're going with drain cleaning because drain cleaning is dangerous. You know, COVID. Hold on, hold on a second. We just got to think of how much money you just save people from not having to get an MBA from the Wharton School of Business. Just, just saying. Well, see, and I love school. Go for the experience. But again, what's going to be the practical takeaway of this education? So, you know, getting back to clarity is part of that clarity is then, you know, as you ask these questions, what do we want to be? We want to be a premium service provider and we're going to have to charge premium prices. But I don't want to do it in such a way that I'm not really proud and also that I can't afford to create opportunities, not just jobs for the people who work with me. Because remember, I was that dishonored employee. It is out ethics for me to set up a career path, to not set up a career path for the great people who work for us. I am honor bound to do that. So that's part of the clarity of the intention. Oh my gosh. This is is a little moralistically high road for a lot of folks. I mean, you are bound to not just create a job but to create an opportunity path for the people who engage the game by the rules and all those other R's you rolled off your, your lips earlier. If you're, yep. if you're in, if and you're part in. of that is the responsibility of me in the game to assure opportunity beyond your employment. And that may mean your employability, I imagine, not necessarily guaranteeing everything, but helping you develop and maintain your possibility of making a revenue in or outside of our business. And at the very least, like suppose they're on the job one day. If I can communicate our intention and then they leave, they don't like it. You know, not everybody's gonna like drain cleaning. Can I impact that person in such a way that they have added value to their life for that one day? Not everybody's gonna do this career forever. And if they do stay, I'm gonna have to expand the game, hence franchising, hence expanding. We're now in 19 markets across the US and that is, absolutely fueled by my and my partner's obsession with creating careers, not just jobs. All right. Okay. 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 So intention. Are we out of time? All we've done. And I know you got like 60 (laughs) things, right? Like I'm just, I know. so, all right, I'm clear. I know who I want, what I want uh, and what I have to say no to, right? Cause that's a big part of clarity. Yeah. Uh, To be excellent at one thing, you have to not be mediocre at a bunch, right? There's some, some compromises you have to make here. So I'm clear, let's pretend I'm clear. I've got my pricing in a position where I actually can cannot bleed out. So now- Okay. All right, so the next thing, and none of this is gonna blow your mind. This is meat and potatoes. The next thing is you're gonna morph uh, it, that vision and that mission and what you want into some goals and you're gonna make them up. 
You're going to make them up. You and I have both been at these high level, big company meetings where they say, we're going to do 5% more than we did last year. Even after, you know, 20 people have spent six months on all these spreadsheets and somebody is just going to say, let's make it 5% more than last year. So they make them up and that's fine. Just be transparent with your team that that's the process. Hey, I put this budget together and I thought $1 million sounded adorable. What do you say? Are you in? Well, how much did we do last year? We did 750,000. Okay. So now we have from where we are to where we want to go. Goals are to have by when statements. They're really this chalice that you're creating into which your dreams can come true. You're adding some form to this vision and this mission. So we got goals. Why? For what it will make of us to achieve them, as Jim Rohn says. That's the only reason, right? Just for the, the joy of the journey, for what it will make of us to achieve some, them, and perhaps so that we can make some money to keep playing this game. So you're going to make goals, financial goals. We want to have a million dollars in sales by the end of 2021 or whatever. And then you're going to morph those goals into projects. Now, how do you get a projects list together? This is how I did it. I don't know how to drain clean. I don't know how to plumb. I've had a 30-year career in this industry, in this honorable, uh, uh, essential industry, and I can't hold a screwdriver. What I've always done is I've gone to the frontline team members and I say things like, if you were in my position, what would you do? Or what do we ask you to do that makes no sense at all? Um, what do you think we should do? And you create a list. And this list should be accessible by everybody in the company. Now, this is called a suggested box. You've seen this. And Joseph, you know, like I know, somebody is going to put Ellen needs to get a life as a suggestion in the suggestion box because they're troublemaking fence testers. And I take it like a duck. Because if you pursue these high level conversations with your team members, they may resist you at first, not trust you. No one's ever asked them before, but you just carry on. And at some point they start to believe you because you're telling the truth. I am going to take that idea. And then we're going to take this big long list and we're going to pick no more than five projects to be top projects. We're going to use steps of delegation. We're going to use meetings. We're going to check on your progress. We're going to set you up to win, not lose. And we're going to get stuff done around here. And you're going to see that problems are solved and opportunities are capitalized. And I found out all of this by talking to the people in the front lines. And right. this is what I recommend you do. I'm going to miss about 50 steps on this thing. I mean, first yeah, we have the project list, and now we're going to have to go back here and understand from the project list, okay. we, get, we get alignment, right? Like, so we, we, we triage this project list mm -hmm. among our people and what's possible, what's priority, all of that. So we get that. I, I followed you to there. And then there's, that's done, I guess, in part through meetings and other dialogue and discussion. And then we're going to take the next step. Before we do, let me just uh, add to the conversation Vasca. Vasca is somebody I know who is an independent business creator and owner. Uh, she's saying that you're offering great insights so far. But let me take someone like Vasca, who, again, from a background perspective, may not have uh, an, a team of people. She's kind of crafting, she's got clarity of vision. Okay, so let's let's go with clarity of vision. And then how does she check her go her goals and her project list if she's doing it as a solopreneur? Well, first off, you need to write the list down. So let's get really practical. I like using an electronic app 
like Trello or Google Keep or Basecamp, and don't use all of them, pick one of them. But if Vasca, and Vasca, if you do choose, now this is your choice, if you do choose to grow your company and get other people involved, start acting as if right now that someone else is gonna need to see that list. If you keep everything on your notebook, and a notebook is a good idea, it's better than post-its all over your world. If you keep everything on a notebook, know that this notebook is just me. I got to do everything that's on this notebook. As I consider growing my company, I'm going to put an electronic list together because at some point I could share that list. And Vasca, if you want to work all by yourself, you might share that list with another trusted business owner and say, could I use you as an accountability buddy? And we're going to go through this business planning process together. I'm going to verbalize and document my vision, you know, where I see this company in five years describe that essay vision board something document it and then what is my mission my why as simon sinek calls it this is why i'm doing it at, at, at zoom drain our mission is to demonstrate the best that business can be not perfect just better than anybody else that's our mission statement so that's my vision that's my why my mission now i'm going to make a list but vasca you already have 110 things to do write them down just jot them down, boom, 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 boom. And pick no more than five and put those tasks on your calendar. So somewhere you got to discipline yourself to the time I got to put a marketing plan together. All right, I'm going to work on it for two hours next Tuesday. That's how you're going to discipline yourself to get stuff done. As you start going through these basic project management disciplines, now when you bring someone on board, you can teach them. I teach my vendors how to do this. If they're not organized, I'll organize them. We'll go through a list. We'll organize our top projects and we'll set up a meeting. We'll go through steps to delegation. Who's going to do it by when ask those big questions again, but these project management tools, Joseph, what I have found is the mundane work of leadership is getting stuff done and getting stuff done with others. As, as sexy as leadership is, this is where the rubber hits the road. And a part of that getting it done is that accountability. If we kind of go back to your early comments, like just to show up, right? Like that's an accountability issue. Show up on mm -hmm. time, you know, help us stay the course of what we committed to do. Uh, don't let us get distracted into the forest when we said these are the trees that we're after, right? Uh, to me, that is the unsexy incredibly differentiating element of business leadership. Uh, it's so, in, it's fun to inspire people. We'll take that hill, we'll accomplish what no human has ever accomplished before. All of those wonderful, exciting speeches, but when it gets right down to it, who's gonna get it done, right? And I think that's that's key. So we got the project list. We put the project yeah. list on a, an electronic format so it's not on a notebook that's tucked away in somebody's backpack. It's on Trello, it's on Basecamp, wherever it might be. It's project guidance. Uh, you're scheduling activities around the priorities of the business and you're having accountability discussions. And that's not a dirty word, right? I know you're in a dirty business, but accountability isn't a dirty word. No, and these are these are the rules. Like this is how, these are the rules now that if you're gonna get a top project, we're gonna go through steps of delegation. We're gonna put the meeting on the calendar. People hate meetings, but meetings are where you talk about it. You communicate. And what I will do is if there is, um, suppose I have a meeting with a marketing vendor to go over my marketing plan and the vendor sends me a text and says, I have the best idea for a marketing plan. 
I will respond, bring it up at the meeting. That's what the meeting is for. So I will take control of my calendar. So much is out of our control in life, but what I'm going to do in the next minute or two, I'm going to take a stab at it. I'm going to plan. Another great piece of advice that I got is plan or be planned for. Your vendors, your customers, your team members, your family will take you off course all the time. So I will say, like if, it's, if someone says, I'll say, Ellen, do you have a minute? I will always respond like this. Maybe give me five seconds worth. And they say, your car's on fire. Well, then I would respond like, okay, plans out the window. We're going to do that. But if someone says, I have a great idea for our marketing, I'll say, can it wait till the meeting? We're going to meet tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Wait, write it down. You hold on to that for a minute, bring it to the meeting, and then that's the appropriate place for it. So these disciplines. I have a similar response when people say, you know, I, I want a minute of your time. I'm like, I doubt that you're going to be able to get anything meaningful done in a minute. Uh, can you give me a better estimate of how much time you really need? Because yeah. if we set aside time outside of meetings, then we need to make sure that we give it the time that it needs. And we're not just short shrifting everything to get your foot in the door. Right. So I think it's a similar idea. The point is there is a time and a place. If you don't have a rhythm to your business and it's all about whoever's idea comes up at any moment in time, uh, it is a free for all. Right. It's yeah. And so these are like, I'm not blowing your mind with any of these suggestions. No, it's really like, are, I mean, I think that there's several things about you, Ellen, that, that <laughs> blow my mind. One is that I think there is clarity of the system of it all. There mm -hmm. is the demystification of all the complexity, all the layers of junk that we put into business that really get in the way of getting business done. I mean, that's, that's your essence, right? And helping people who may be struggling to price right or maybe struggling to actually accomplish things or have too many things on their list or aren't tracking right these are the things that you're you're sound and rock star on and it's why you know a you're here and why b i want people to spend time over at your website really truly to get to know the community that you've created uh, that does the very things that we're talking about right now so anyway yeah go ahead i just I, yeah it doesn't always have to be like I don't, this is really talking way too much, but I don't think most ideas that we have that make success are novel. I just think they're right. created in a way that people can access them. So, uh, and, and you're just excellent at, at speaking with passion and, and sensibility. So go for it. So we're now, yeah. at the point, we got these ideas where they've got a name and a time on your calendar. They are prioritized. Um, now what? How do we keep everything going and it just doesn't get boring and complacent? Well, so now we're going to check our progress. So if we have created this plan and then we've taken some action, we lined up our project list, we picked a few projects, we take action. Now we're going to measure our results. And for me, that is going to be a once weekly look at the financials. So it's going to get back to that. Are you operating in a known financial position? Are you priced right? Well, if you're accomplishing your progress, projects. Your projects should um, answer this question. This goes back. My partners at Zoom Drain ask me these questions every day. It rattles in my head every day. Is this project going to solve a big problem or seize an opportunity? And if not, it stays on the big list. It stays on the master projects list. So I'm going to triage and I'm going to guess that these projects are going to be helpful. So maybe you're listening to this and you think, man, I don't even have a budget. I don't have goals. I'm going to put a budget together. That's going to be one of my projects. Or I've never taken a sales class. That might be helpful. I'm going to create a project where we formalize sales training at our company, starting with me. 
okay, now we got a project, you're going to put it on your list. Then we're going to start measuring our results. And the balance sheet and the profit and loss are your primary scorecards. So once a week, uh, and then super review once a month, I want to check the score, because all of this should be aligned with my vision, not insulting my mission, and I should be making more money. Well, and that, see, that's the that's the get rich slow approach that I, I think is attractive and real. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe you'll catch a flyer with Bitcoin. You know, maybe you will. Bless you if you do, but you also gamble a pretty good downside on this thing. So what's likely to be the snails, maybe not snail, but more of a tortoise hair kind of finish line story. I think it's this approach, right? Like continuing to stay the course on the things that are your already thoughtful prioritization and then jump on opportunities for pivot when they are, as you put it, kind of solving a big problem or approaching a sizable opportunity. Yeah. And that a shout out to Al Levy and Jim Crenity, my partners at Zoom Train, who are very much aligned in uh, this philosophy. In fact, they really taught me a lot about these, these basic things. Uh, one thing I want to point out about the list, the master list, like just a little nuance that'll help. If you do have team members and they're complaining and they're whining, inside every whine is a legit problem or opportunity. If you write it down, if you put it on that master list or you give them access to this list and say, that's a great idea, craft it into a project, reword that, put it on the list. It's going to park on that master list until we energize it as a top project. So you're going to have to champion that project. Um, and when you do, I'm going to count on you to be lead on that project. Are you cool with that? So do you see how this is changing like a whiny environment into one where people matter? because whining is repeating yourself and stating the obvious. And if it never gets written down, or if they don't know what to do with that good idea, they're going to think, I know I did. Well, nobody cares what I think. That's a good, I know what the problem is and they keep dancing around it and nobody's asking me like that list can be so powerful in creating a culture where people realize that their contribution is going to energize change at this company. Isn't that goosebumpy? It is pretty goosebumpy, and I'm not a goosebumpy kind of guy, but that's kind of goosebumpy. All right, so let's assume people visit over to your website, right? And okay. they're going to see things like this, right? Is yeah. that true? And what yeah, is that all about? Great. How many thousands of dollars? What's the price on that thing? That thing's probably way out of my price zone to get that book. Where did the money go? Well, I give it away for free because I love you. <laughs> I would have I would have given my right arm for that book. And that's why I wrote it when I was first trying to get my arms around basic accounting. The subtitle is accounting basics for the business owner who wants to get profitable. If you really, when I say balance sheet, you think, oh, I should know what that is. If you really don't know what these reports are, I tell you what, I graduated at the top of my class and I did not understand a balance sheet and a profit loss. So I wrote this book in a way to uh, demystify the basic reports. Rich people know this stuff. Successful business owners are bound by the balance sheet and the profit and loss, and you are more powerful knowing this information. And if you're a team member, an employee, you make yourself more valuable when you understand the language of the financial report. So it's my gift to you for coming and saying hello at ellenroar.com. All right. So people visit over there. I'm going to get, I'm put myself back in as much as that was a lovely 
overlay on me, I will pop back. Oh, that was my high school graduation picture on the cover of that. that really? yeah. yeah. I don't know. It looks pretty much the same. <laughs> no COVID hair at all, relative. Yeah, I got COVID hair now. Yeah. We all do. Uh, all right. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about a couple of things before we go out of here. So let's assume I go to your site and then I get the free download of that book and it has great value for me. All those assumptions are pretty safe bets. Um, then if there are opportunities on the site to better understand your value proposition, how you create a community, how people can participate in that community if they're so inclined. All that happens over at the website. They can see a lot of your thought leadership pieces. I know uh, that you've written for the Huffington Post with some regularity. Uh, are there other places that people can find your content, be they videos or other little nuggets that they might want to grab onto? Certainly the site's a great place. And if you put your name and email address, you'll be on my list and we'll send a note that would do free webinars. I try and make myself available. I am, I am honor bound. A lot of people like you have shared generously with me and I do the same. So I do want to, to help you as I can. There is a book there. I wrote another book. It is skinny mini. It's a mini book and it's called The Weekend Biz Plan. And I wrote that book in response to a lot of people asking me, I'm just getting started, or I just took the, the business over for my dad, or I've been in business 20 years and we're stuck, stuck, stuck. I wrote that book as a just a super easy way for you to do an executive retreat. Here's what you should do every hour, right? Just follow this. You're gonna know more at the end of the weekend than you do now. You don't have to do it all on the same weekend. You don't have to do anything you don't wanna do. It's just a little guidebook for you to have that space and time to think about what you really, really want and document what you're going to do next. That retreat is called the Weekend Biz Plan. I'm very proud of that book. That's a whopping price of $4.95. Hold on. Um, let me see if I can yeah. find that, script that up somewhere. Okay. So here, we're gonna, they're going to go to your site. They're going yeah. to find out a business plan. They're going to better understand, you know, kind of profit and loss, what a balance sheet's all about, and really what you need to know in business that you may have overcomplicated. So that's there. They're going to get a lot more guidance. The more they know you, the more they're in communication with you around these issues of clarity and alignment with your team and prioritization mm -hmm. of the projects and accountability management, all of that. Um, so in the final couple of minutes, I didn't prep you for this. I, I try not to prep my guests. It's kind of almost a test. Okay. Did you ever see any of my my live cast, because if you had, you'd have known what you're about to get into, and that's okay. You don't have, this is not that kind of a test, but here it is. Quick, Bring round, it. quick round, uh, okay. quick answers to free associated questions on my part. So don't go long on any of this. Cause these are okay. Got that. Okay. Quick. Got it. All right, here we go. Toilet paper and COVID-19 from the, from the drain lady. Yeah. You're what, just whatever comes to mind. Oh, okay. Flush those wipes, man. Flush them i.e. no wipes are flushable and we will be at your house if you do. So oh, for right. my business, wipes are excellent. For so your you want wipes, people to flush the wipes so you can have business. Uh, I I just so no, no, no wipe is flushable, only toilet paper. The, the beauty of a dirty business, your reaction. Um, I loves me a dirty job. Never going to be outsourced. Always going to be necessary. People are pooping. They don't know. Poop doesn't know about COVID. Anything that's dirty and essential and someone else doesn't want to do it, you can make a fortune doing. Grandbaby. Oh, Luca. I have one grandbaby, Luca. She's almost seven months old and the light of my life. 
that's a that's a nice. I should have. You. I'm really a little out of sequence. That would have been a far lovelier ending. But I, I was thinking <laughs> about a little table and a six year old girl and candy. Oh, okay. the The salient point in my life when I realized this: if you charge more than it costs for stuff, you manufacture money. And the first experience I had of that, I went to Lazuleri's a corner store in Ocean City, New Jersey. I bought penny candy. I came home, put out a table, put the candy on it and charged two pennies for it. You did some research on this. I charged two pennies for that candy. And now the only people who bought were my mom and my aunts, but I didn't notice because I knew right then that when you charge more than it cost, you made your own money and it changed my life. I'm gonna cry. Like Why that is, that? that's what Why I love about this. Why did that lesson of a six-year-old girl get forgotten for a period? Yeah, I did. Well, because you start to fall prey to all that stinking thinking that's out there, you know, that you, uh, you know, who would do who would do that? Well, you can't do that because they sell it at Lazuleri's just right next door and they only charge a penny for it. other voices are going to come into your head to muddy that lesson. And don't let that happen. You charge more than it costs for stuff and you manufacture your own money. And that works in any country, in any industry, in any dollar across the planet. It hasn't changed one jot since the first two people started trading with each other. All right, here it is. The last question. You claim okay. clarity. You claim clarity. So here's the last. React to this. Five years from now, Ellen Rohr. A leading a $300 million Zoom dream company, partially owned by corporate, partially owned by franchisees, and making dreams come true, employee ownership all across the land. Mwah. Wow. That's right. that's one goal. The other one is that I'm skiing somewhere and getting all that information on my iPhone so I know where how everybody is doing. Wow. Okay. That was a pretty, I mean, I, I couldn't have prepped you for it and you'd have had a better answer, so I'm glad I didn't. All right. Well, I'm just for the for the people who will be joining us in the future, in addition to going to Ellen Rohr, which you see on the bottom there, and her website, ellenrohr.com. I want you to do that immediately. But in the weeks ahead, uh, you'll be joining me, I hope, here at Thursdays at 1230 for the live version. You can share this with friends and family who are unavailable to attend today. You can watch Ellen on LinkedIn. You can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. You can go to our Facebook and, and watch it on Facebook as well. YouTube normally takes a day to actually catalog it and clean it up. So the YouTube version might not be there until tomorrow. That said, in the upcoming weeks, here's some people who are going to be joining me. Next week, we'll have Carmine Gallo. Carmine is one of the quintessential uh, experts when it comes to corporate communication. And by that, I mean, Carmen, Carmine has studied uh, Steve Jobs. He's studied virtually every single corporate executive. Some of his books, just numerous books on how to effectively communicate your business message. Uh, the Apple Experience is one of my favorites. Craig Lemaster, I think Unstuck has the best cover of any book I've ever seen in my life. I love the butterfly, the three-dimensionality of the book. The cover is a pretty good indicator of the quality of what's inside. Unstuck with Craig Masters. Lemaster is going to be uh, two weeks from now. Howard Bihar is a buddy of mine I've known way back to the days of Starbucks. He's in my new book, Stronger Through Adversity. Howard was one of the H2O formula for Starbucks. Starbucks exists today because of two H's and an O. One is a guy by the name of Howard Schultz. You might have heard of him. The other is a guy by the name of Howard Bihar. You will hear from him in a couple of weeks. And the other is Oren Smith. Oren Smith has uh, passed away, a wonderful, just very strategic guy that I, I got to know at Starbucks. H2O started Starbucks. 
And we're going to speak to one of the H's in a couple of weeks. Please join us here. We are ever so grateful for you taking the time. I'm grateful for all of those of you who joined us live and for those who will share this in the near future. A little bit more on how to share it will uh, come in just about five, four, three, two, one.